Ayup me duck, which is the traditional Derby greeting to whoever we meet, whenever we meet them. And no, I don't actually know what Ayup me duck means, but who cares? Because what matters is that you're here and I'm here for the Art of Brilliance podcast series five, which is just a little bit different. So in this series, there are no guests. It's just you and I making a weekly commitment to 10 minutes or less. That's 10 minutes maximum per week every week for 52 weeks that you and I are committing to a personal relationship based on happiness and well-being. So time is short, let's crack on. And this week's episode is, I'm going to pose a question and I think it's an interesting question and it's a question I'm going to try and answer. And the question of course is, can you be too happy? Right, because it is something that I did touch on in my research. Can you be too happy? Um, I think the short answer is yes, but let me, let me, because what I, what I don't want you thinking, oh, you know, this is a happiness podcast. It's, it's 10 minutes a week for 52 weeks. You tune into it. It's going to give you a set of strategies and some stuff that you can do that will challenge your thinking, challenge your habits and build a better you. Right. But it's not happy clappy. I'm not I'm not suggesting, you know, oh, he's a doctor of happiness. He's suggesting I've got to pretend to be happy when I'm not. Of course I'm not. Is it? Have I got to be jazz hands? No, of course you've not. Right. There's an old, there's an old English word, 17th century word that I absolutely love. And I'm trying to make it bring it back into 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 the modern day um grinagog was a very similar word giggle mug which are beautiful words right 17th century words and a grinagog is somebody who's so happy you want to punch them on the nose <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any, anybody listening to this podcast to be so stupidly happy that somebody wants to punch you in fact if you are that happy you're doing it wrong that's not what we're talking about at all um and one of the reasons that um i um I spent so long getting a PhD because I always describe myself as a sort of recovering academic. I spent 10 years plugging away, trying to sort of research happiness and positivity. Now, one of the reasons it took so long is I spent the first two years getting the wrong data. So essentially what I did was, I don't want to bore you with the backstory too much, but I think it's quite important. It's quite interesting. Is I gave out lots of questionnaires to, to, to working age people. And what you had to do is rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 on happiness. And if you were eight or above, that puts you above the average. So I would go and interview these people and say, okay, you, you classing yourself as a nine or a 10 on happiness, right? So you must be one of these like happy people. And what I found was quite a few of the people who rate themselves a nine or a 10 were, were a bit grinagoggy, really, a bit giggle muggy. I wanted to punch the lights out. I'm a happiness researcher and I wanted to punch the lights They were like, it was not right. They were a bit weird. Like they, they, I think they thought they were happy and they were the life and the soul, but they were just annoying. And that isn't, for me, that wasn't the type of happiness I was looking for. <laughs> so I scrapped, I had to scrap two years of data and start again. So again, for the, this might be for the purists out there, but those who really are interested in the research. So I'm plotting people onto a well-being graph and I, I'm looking at what I call the two percenters, the ones at the top end of the well-being spectrum. How do you qualify to be a two percenter, right? So what I did was I gave out the same questionnaire as before. So you had to, first of all, rate yourself on a scale of happiness on one to 10. And if you score eight or above, again, I'm interested in coming to talk to you. But secondly, I also gave out what's called the Oxford Happiness Questionnaire, which is a, a kind of quite a boring thing, but it's quite a tried and tested academic um, sort of measuring instrument that 
there's I think there's about between 20 and 30 questions it's tried and tested in the academic world and so if you scored in the upper quartile so the top 25% of that questionnaire so I get that out to hundreds of people if you're in the top 25% of that then I'm doubly interested so remember there's two things so far you've got to rate yourself as eight or above on happiness you've got to also score in the upper quartile of the Oxford happiness questionnaire which is quite an academic thing but thirdly and the one that really really I think makes my research sort of stand out is on, on my questionnaire that I gave out there was also a question that said who else in the workplace makes you feel great and if your name appeared three times or more on that answer then I was really interested in you so because what that meant was you'd rated yourself as 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 eight or above unhappiness the Oxford happiness questionnaire had also scored you in the top quartile but most importantly to sort the wheat from the chaff is that you are being recognized by work colleagues as somebody who provides an emotional uplift so you are impacted you're not annoying people right you nobody wants to punch your lights out but you're adding value somebody at work somebody these are the people at work who make me feel good so your name had to appear three times or more on that and if you can tick all of those boxes then I would like make a beeline for you and find out right who the heck are you because you're feeling great and other people are feeling great around you now that it's that third question and it's not an exact science and we can pick it to bits and people have done and people will do you know you try measuring happiness somebody's always going to try and trip you up and say it wasn't it wasn't good enough I'm not claiming it for the to be the best academic research in the world but I am claiming that that final question who else in your workplace makes you feel good it really begins to sort out it got rid of the grinagogs all right because I didn't say who else in the workplace is so annoyingly happy you want to punch the lights out <laughs> Who else in your workplace makes you feel good? And that is what I call flourishing. And again, it's probably a nuanced academic point. It's not everybody's cup of tea. But flourishing for me, I wasn't really researching happiness per se. I was looking at flourishing. And flourishing is when your happiness is bigger than you. So flourishing is when you are feeling so amazing and you are genuinely having a great day to the point whereby your positivity and your happiness is leaking out of you. It's probably not quite the right phrase, but it is impacting positively. It's creating emotional upward spirals in the people around you. That is flourishing. All right. And that's a learned behavior. And I think that's proper exciting because if you could learn to do that, you could learn to feel so amazing that other people will be uplifted in your presence. I personally, hand on heartedly, cannot think of anything more important that you will ever learn. Phew. So until next week, happy flourishing. Thanks for listening to the Art of Brilliance podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe and tell the world. A nice review would make our day. That's the very best way of getting like-minded people to tune into our very simple messages about happiness and human flourishing. If you've hated it, please keep quiet. Remember the world has enough negativity already. So be a lover, not a hater. Feel free to check out our training and the little shop of happiness at artofbrilliance.co.uk. Thanks again. See you next time for another amazing episode.